0: You're listening to the Super Talk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Super Talk podcast. Today, we have something of a crossover event as we join AIST's podcast with State Street's Engage podcast uh, to have a chat about cash portfolios. Throughout the COVID-19 economic crisis, there has been a need for liquidity and it has been interesting to see the ways in which investors have used cash assets to navigate such an uncertain and volatile year. Our speakers today are Daniel Gerard, Senior Strategist from State Street Global Markets, and Raf Chowdhury, Australian Head of Investment Strategy and Research for State Street Global Advisors, to bring two perspectives from the investment side and the market side together. They assure me they won't be short on things to discuss in this area, so I will hand over to them now. Firstly, Raf, do you want to give me an overview of what you've seen so far in 2020 with regards to cash assets?
2: Hi, Tyrell. Um, yeah, it's certainly been an interesting year. I think when we think about clients' portfolios, I think one of the one of the things that really kind of stands out is the level of cash that investors have been holding. And there's, there's a couple of reasons that have been driving those allocations and increasing allocations to cash. Some of them are shorter term, uh, and then, then you do have longer term, more strategic kind of factors that are driving those allocations. But if I just kind of take a second to focus on those shorter term factors, um, I think when we think about it, this actually goes back to probably 2019 when we started to see kind of higher than, than kind of normal levels of, of cash in investors' portfolios. Um, and that was really driven by the fact that equity valuations at the time were, were really high. Investors were getting uncomfortable with that and were starting to allocate to cash and waiting for a better opportunity to uh, to reinvest. Obviously, at the start of this year, we've had the the coronavirus uh, and pandemic, um, and that's actually created a lot of uncertainty for investors, which has kind of not only meant that they've stayed in those cash allocations, but they've actually further increased them as risks have kind of become more apparent. Um, that uncertainty has really been compounded by. Um, by some behavioral biases as well. So with the market selling off so strongly in, in March, um, a lot of investors moved out into cash or further into cash um, because you get this phenomenon where it's more palatable to avoid a big loss um, than the converse of that, which is enjoying a gain. Um, investors are much more risk averse, so they prefer to avoid those losses. Um, and, and subsequently, a lot of them have missed out on on the rebound since then. But the other behavioral kind of factor is you get this... Um, temporal myopathy, uh, which is basically focusing on the short term. So we've got these events going on at the moment, and and it's very kind of easy to get short-sighted and and focus on those and forget about the longer-term objectives. Um, So those are kind of a couple of the reasons that have been driving uh, Vesta flows into into cash. Um, When we look at kind of some of our own kind of risk indicators, so on the the GA side, we have the market regime indicator. That spiked into um, really high levels of of risk aversion, and we've subsequently seen that come off back to kind of more normal levels and actually, global markets have an indicator as well, which is investor confidence index, um, and we've seen that kind of come off quite sharply through the pandemic, and begin to rebound. That 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 index is reading about eighty-five at the moment, close to eighty-five, um, with a neutral reading around hundred. So you can see that you know investors are still very uncertain about the forward-looking environment. And when we think about the rest of this year, there's a there's a whole number of reasons why we wouldn't be surprised to see investors continue to hold those high levels of cash allocations. If you think about the US elections coming up and the uncertainty around that, uh, Prime Minister Abe has just resigned, creating some other kind of election issues and uncertainty for APAC. Um, and then you think about Europe and Brexit and the trade deals that need to be done by the end of this year. So you kind of look around the world and like in every single spot, there is something to be concerned about. And so as we go forward, it's causing those clients to kind of maintain those high levels of cash allocations. There's there's some other kind of shorter term factors as well when we think about it. And that's really kind of more in terms of where the opportunities are. So like I mentioned, we've seen the strong rebound in, in equity markets, valuations are again beginning to look uh, quite rich. Um, and then you kind of think, well, okay, equities are looking rich. Where do I go? Typically you go to fixed income, interest rates are kind of near zero, real rates are negative. So fixed income doesn't really play that well either. Um, and so investors are kind of stuck in this situation where they're kind of looking for assets to try and invest into that are going to provide kind of a real return. And in, in the short term, cash is a good place to kind of be sitting until you can kind of find those opportunities.
0: Okay.
1: We might flick through to Dan for a bit more of a macro and I suppose long-term aspect. What, what sort of insights can you add there?
0: Yeah, thanks. And I, and I want to um, yeah, follow up on, on what Raf said here. It's interesting here. What what we if we if we widen the window out a little bit and we we start to look at, at the reasons that investors are in cash and what might keep them there or what might pull them out. It's important to remember that uh, investors are caught in this really strange reality right now. This is an environment where uh, we are in somewhat of an an economic crisis, somewhat of a financial crisis, in some ways a bit of a credit crisis. But none of this was caused by the normal excesses that we see in economies that cause cycles. It was caused by you know, a pandemic. And there's a, a voluntary aspect of the economic stress because we're, we're willingly pulling economic activity in, which impacts the economy. But let's remember that this isn't something new to the pandemic. Coming into the pandemic, our indicators showed that we, we saw investors were already at very high levels of cash in their portfolio. Something has been going on for quite some time. You know, post GFC, the financial crisis, rates had been coming down to to stimulate growth out of the um, out of that crisis. And any time we tried to normalize a little bit by raising rates and making some better environment for investing cash into perhaps extinct market or, or or else, that backfired, right? We we uh, we started to see this concern about the the growth picture ahead of us, which kept investors on alert. In alert, in that alert stage, that fragile market environment is not good for uh, you know confidence in investing. And what do you do when you feel uncertain? You you keep your investments in cash. And you know Raf touched on a lot of these things. But leading up to the pandemic, we also had a couple of of key events that seem like they're in the rearview mirror, but they're they're really not. Um, we had this U.S.-China trade tensions that uh, were disrupting global growth altogether, and and uh, investors felt like they needed to get a, a handle on that before understanding where to deploy cash in that respect. And we also are in a situation now where we um, we came through that that let's call it the the trade crisis. We came into the first part of this year, the pandemic hit, and we saw a massive drawdown. Investors were probably thinking, oh, "I'm just waiting for a great valuation to to uh, to deploy my cash." But of course, the trough of Of the drawdown, that's fear. There's a a lot of fear there. So when the market started to rise again, probably quicker than most investors expected, there was also a a, a hesitance to, to put money back to work in that respect either because they weren't sure the worst of it was over. All of those things, that kind of sharp drawdown, that quick pullback, it doesn't help calm anybody's anxiety overall asset owners are, are thinking about how to redeploy capital. They're thinking about their strategic asset allocation in this environment. They're looking at uh, a world that might be vastly different in six months from now, or it might not be. And, and this is a, the real key to, um, to deploying cash into, into assets at this point. What, how do you have any certainty at all in this uncertain world? And this is certainly causing cash positions to be very uh, to be very high in the uh, during this period. Now, there's another driver as well. There has been a lot of cash that has been or you know, a lot of commitment to alternative investments. This lower yield environment that we've seen for nearly a decade now uh, has caused investors to to search for yield in in alternatives and there has been a, a strong allocation to to private market investments. And when that allocation is made, cash has to be on hand or at least liquid assets ready to to deploy that capital when the capital is called. There is just as much uncertainty within the private asset managers as well, looking for opportunities. There was a tremendous amount of dry powder already on the sidelines looking for opportunities in what was seen as an overvalued market. And the investors, the, the asset owner side has to keep that cash handy for an, an unknown call to capital at some point and what to do with it in the meantime so that you have um, What you expect on hand what it is called is driving again some of these these large balances So I think that that combination of overall anxiety and overall fragile market a large um, a large exposure to private markets and uh, the need to deploy and the desire to deploy cash into private markets in the future and just an unknown path of the recovery is keeping investors with, uh, with high cash positions.
1: Might drill down a little bit, uh, RAF, if you can. Uh, if, if investors have needed to deploy cash in the short term, Uh, what sort of impacts has this had in terms of causing a cash drag in the portfolio? And from just an investments 101 perspective, do you want to explain out what cash drag means and then perhaps what the investment risks are? Yeah,
2: sure. Um, So I guess, firstly, cash does have a short-term role. And as we kind of outlined, um, kind of this environment where valuations and interest rates are so low and um, equity risk premiums are more challenging, um, there is a role for cash, but there is a longer term risk to holding cash. Now, um, as Dan mentioned, there are some sh- more longer-term strategic reasons behind that, uh, why some of these uh, institutional uh, clients are holding larger amounts of cash. But that does have an impact on the performance of these of these funds. And as you mentioned, that performance comes from, from cash drag. Uh, cash drag is basically the impact. It's, it's like an opportunity cost. It's the opportunity cost of not having that cash invested into the markets. We live in a benchmark world. So when you see equity markets rallying off the lows 20% and you're not invested in there, and you're holding cash instead of being invested in that equity market. You're exposed to cash drag, effectively. So cash drag is effectively that opportunity cost of missing out on a return. There are very good reasons to have it, like we've discussed. In short-term kind of risks in this environment, kind of do lend itself to holding cash. There are longer-term reasons to be holding cash, um, and it does play an important role in the portfolio. One of those being liquidity. Um, so you know, having that cash on hand when those calls are made um, for that to be deployed to things like private equity or private debt. Um, having that dry powder there to be able to redeploy it when you need to. But I think we need to be a little bit cautious because over the longer term, cash can be a little bit kind of risky in in terms of holding too much cash in the portfolio um, because of that opportunity cost and that cash drag that it can cause.
1: Thanks for that, Raf. That looks like quite a lot to consider. Uh, We've spoken a lot about uncertainty, about fear in the markets, about people being more risk averse. Uh, So let's try and finish this episode on a bit of optimism. Where are some of the opportunities for that cash to be deployed to? Dan, do you want to get into that?
0: Yeah, Terrell, I, I think I think absolutely. There's, there's a lot of reasons to be constructive here. And in fact, we see a lot of signs that investors are becoming more instructive. Now, I, I mentioned the point that things may be vastly different in six months and they might not be. But I think there's a very good reason to believe that they will be vastly different in six months, which means we will probably see a broadening out of risk appetite in this environment and more opportunities to put cash back to work. That's, I think, the base case is that we are progressing towards recovery. And although it might mean very different investment opportunities for a while, for example, rates will be low for a long time, it will mean that there are other constructive, more risk-seeking ways to put cash back to work.
2: No, 100%. Like Dan says, that there are reasons to be optimistic, and especially in a shorter-term view, when we think about where investors can allocate. Um, you know, I, I mentioned valuations are starting to look rich in certain areas. We've seen tech stocks kind of run, but I think what we're starting to see is a little bit of a rotation there into, into Europe and other areas where valuations are a little bit more attractive. Um, and so it really is a case that there are opportunities out there. It's just about seeking them out and finding them.
1: Thank you very much for that. That is all for this edition of our podcast, but it's not the end of this particular conversation. Uh, Dan and Rath will return next week for part two, where we'll be looking a little deeper at the liquidity and solvency crisis. Be sure not to miss that one. Until next time, bye for now.